hauling Just look at the load I'm hauling Hard work, I hit it harder Ain't nothing new for a backwoods farmer Sun up to sundown Backing up traffic all the way to town Camo hat and a farmer's tan Welcome to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group, your innovative consumer resource and marketing partner of choice for the evolving agricultural community. Now, here's your host, Brent Adams. Well, welcome to another episode of Fast Line Fast Track. It's great to have you with us. On this episode, David Graydon with Michelin Ag talks new tire technology. U.S. Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue addresses the National Association of Farm Broadcasting, and we continue our profile of Corn Warriors Season 4 competitors with Dan Lipkiss. We also hear the music of Matt Kennan. You won't want to miss a moment of this one. Let's go. Well, first up this week on Fast Line Fast Track, a while back we had a chance to catch up with David Graydon, the Operational Marketing Manager for Michelin North America, to find out what's new with Michelin's agriculture tire lineup. David, welcome in to Fast Line Fast Track. Thank you, Brent. So we had you on the show from this show last year down in Orlando, and we talked a bit about uh, what you had for new products. What's new for 2020, and how are they helping farmers? Well, Brent, I tell you what, we've got a lot of great attention on some of our new products this year. We've got a Flodex bib behind you for some of your larger terrigators. Uh, you know, my explanation on this tire is, you know, there's not a lot of products out there that really fit that application well today and last a long time. It's a, it's a very aggressive application, um, high speeds, heavy weights, things like that. And I think we have the solution with this tire. We've had it running for about a year now in testing, and it's just a fantastic opportunity right now uh, for folks to get into this, try it out, and, uh, and, and, and fix some of those challenges that they've, uh, that they've had. I know compaction is always a big deal here, and especially in the Midwest where you've had so much wet weather here over the last couple years. What, what are some of the things that farmers should be considering when they're looking at tire purchases? You know, look into IF and VF tires, maybe a central tire inflation system. Uh, I think we may have mentioned last year, Michelin purchased PTG, one of the largest central tire inflation companies in the world. So we purchased them a couple years ago. We're expanding with that. We're expanding with our VF and IF tire lines. In fact, we just created our first uh, BF Goodrich implement tire. It's a BF Goodrich implement control. It is an IF. It's got a giant carrying capacity, fast speeds designed for tillage and, and uh, uh, planting applications. Um, and it's the, it's the second tire on the market, I think, in this, this, type of, uh, uh, this type of construction and technology. So what else is new with you guys? Well, we've, uh, we're putting more efforts into, uh, uh, into central tire inflation system. We're, we're pushing for distribution. We're uh, really trying to get that up and running here in the U.S. Uh, we've launched it in Canada. It's doing very well up there. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're, we're continuing to move into the future of tires and technology um, and, uh, and continuing to evolve with the times. So you didn't invent the wheel, but you're always reinventing the tire. Absolutely, you got it. Uh, anything that we can do, if we can take a tire and make it work better for the customer, you know, ultimately what we try and do is make products that fit the market needs. And sometimes it takes a little while for that to catch on. Uh, oftentimes people look at a Michelin or they hear the Michelin name and they think, boy, that's an expensive tire. But in fact, it's an educational opportunity for us. Educate producers on, hey, this is a, uh, uh, it's not just a, uh, for example, stubble isn't just a cost of doing business. We make a tire that combats stubble. Same thing with soil compaction. 
soil compaction isn't tangible. And so, so oftentimes folks look at it and they think, well, boy, you know, yeah, I'm concerned about soil compaction, but I don't really have a clue as to what does it mean in real green dollars. And so we're able to take that, we do the math, we've got the technology, and we're able to prove it to them, along with some other folks out there in the market, like University of Illinois, Harper Adams, uh, Harper Adams University. So, so we've got the technology out there to, to overall uh, improve the quality of lives for our, for our producers and to, uh, to really add to the bottom line. So folks want to know more about the products that you offer for ag, where can they go? Well, they can go to hardworkingtires.com or michelinagriculture.com. Well, make sure you go check those guys out. And, David, we appreciate you taking the time to join us here from the show uh, for Fast Line Fast Track. Yes, sir. Thank you. Well, up next, U.S. Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue spoke to the National Association of Farm Broadcasting last week via a pre-recorded video as part of the association's summer agribusiness virtual event. In the short video addressing a wide range of topics, Purdue says the Department of Agriculture is evaluating what comes next for the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program. I know you're all curious about what the future of CFAP will look like. What I can tell you is that Congress replenished $14 billion in the CARES Act for CCC. We're in the process of evaluating the COVID-19 impacts on the agricultural economy and looking back at the lessons learned thus far as we consider our second round of CFAP. Purdue's comments come as Congress eyes another round of coronavirus relief and all sectors of agriculture seek further assistance. As noted by the American Farm Bureau Federation, USDA data suggests the decline in commodity value for 2019, 2020, and 21 production adds up to almost $60 billion. This does not include all of agriculture's losses, which would be billions more. The COVID-19 pandemic brought further challenges to the ethanol industry. Purdue says driving and demand is starting to increase, and the USDA is working with the rest of the Trump administration to ensure a 15 billion gallon renewable fuel standard for ethanol and biodiesel. USDA is fully committed to working with EPA to ensure the commitment that President Trump made last fall that the RVO for ethanol and biodiesel are met and are not undermined by small refiner exemptions. What he said and what he meant was 15 billion gallons means 15 billion gallons. The virtual NAFB event, of which Fastline Fast Track was a part, also included remarks from the Illinois Department of Natural Resources Director and past NAFB President Colleen Callahan. Well, next up this week on Fastline Fast Track, we continue our series on the competitors of Corn Warriors Season 4. And it's my pleasure to bring in this week Dan Lipkiss, who is out of Oregon, Illinois. And Dan, welcome into Fastline Fast Track. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Dan's a fifth-generation farmer and a National Corn Growers Association Illinois State Corn Champion. His highest yield being uh, 328 bushels an acre. And one of the things I like about your approach is uh, I like guys who do things and think out of the box. And it seems like that, that, that's kind of what you've been doing is you've been building uh, your holdings there in Illinois. Yeah, we well, we're, we're always doing new things, uh, good or bad. I mean, uh, we, uh, we've cost ourselves some money trying some new things, and, uh, and we've made some money trying new things. But... I don't know. It's just kind of the way I've always done things. I, I actually kind of enjoy that. I, I think it's kind of fun to learn some new things. And heck, I learn, you know, I learn something every day when when we're talking to a pretty good group of farmers and high yield guys. And uh, uh, there's always little things to pick up and learn. And and uh, 
hopefully, and all that, uh, that helps us in our operation. Well, take me back a bit to kind of your beginnings in farming, because I understand being a fifth generation farmer, uh, the, the farm that you grew up on looks a lot different than uh, what you have today. Well, yeah, I actually just grew up on a on a dairy farm, uh, smaller, I guess you'd call it a small Midwestern dairy farm, and uh, worked for my dad, basically just milking cows and started farming on my own a little bit. Then when I was, uh, I think I was 27, uh, our barn actually burnt, and that kind of, uh, we were forced to make the decision to stay in or get out, and basically would had to build a new barn and uh, made the decision to get out, which uh, was... Uh, a good decision in my view with uh, dairy farming is a very challenging industry and uh, um, boy you just never get any time off I don't get much time off doing what I do now but anyway I'm uh, I'm glad uh, I'm glad not to be milking cows anymore that's uh, that's a job I'll tell you that so now now we're more uh, you know grain farming and I do have a hundred head cow calf operation that uh, my son David uh, Lately, has been doing a lot of the work with that, take care of the cows a lot. So he's taking a little heat off me doing that. But uh, that's that's kind of what we're doing now. So how did you get interested in the yield contest? Uh, started with, uh, we put in, I've got a really poor farm that we put in um, a NetFM subsurface uh, drip irrigation system. And uh, the first year uh, that we had it, it looked like we were going to have some pretty good yields. So... Uh, someone said we ought to enter, and I thought, well, that's, why would I enter? I'm not even going to, you know, I won't even be at the bottom of the list, you know. And, well, we ended up getting third in Illinois in whatever division we were in. Uh, it was a irrigated division, but I don't remember which one, if it was no-till or tilled. I think it was tilled at that time. Um, and I thought, well, huh, we didn't really even try that hard, and I got third. And... Uh, so I thought, well, this next year, let's try a little harder. And, uh, well, we got, we ended up getting first. And uh, uh, we pulled off a first for, uh, I think it's six years, five years. Uh, and, like I say, one division or another, and some seconds and thirds. And uh, my son has an entry. So uh, I don't know. So we just kind of got, kind of got going with it. And I don't know. It's just kind of part of what we do now, <laughs> it seems like. So how did you get linked up with the Corn Warriors TV show? They, uh, we had done some promotional work for, like, Natafilm and AgriGold, I think, and some other ones, uh, and uh, Genesis Ag. And so that's kind of, they kind of, we were using some products, and uh, they kind of found us that way. And I don't know, just because they could kind of see what we had done with some other video work. Like they were looking with some guys, I don't know if they were looking guys a little bit of experience with that or not, but that's basically kind of how it came about, I guess. Just, I don't know if you call it unlucky or lucky or right place, right time. I don't know. It just, it just kind of happenstance. I wouldn't say there was a formula to it. It just kind of worked out that way. What has that whole experience been like for you? It, it can be fun, you know. Uh, it can be a pain in the butt, too, or both. Uh, you know, when you're trying to get work done, especially like plant time, you got a camera crew following you around. But uh, I kind of got used to it. Uh, they just kind of keep up, I tell them, pretty much, you know, which they kind of have a hard time with that sometimes because five minutes to a camera crew is 
not five minutes to a farmer. To a farmer, five minutes is one minute. To a camera crew, it's an hour. You know, so, so yeah. But but uh, we the best part we met a lot of really cool people through it. You know, we know a lot of the other guys. You know, uh, that are in the show and uh, had some good times with them and visited a few other places and uh, uh, those those are right. That's the best thing. It's the people that we've associated with we've had a lot of fun with that well and i tell you we, we, we've kind of talked about this with some of the other warriors too but the work that you're doing is really inspiring a lot of other farmers who, who are paying close attention uh to the ins and outs and some of the tips and tricks that you guys share on the show uh, it seems to be yeah i mean uh, we, we do kind of have a following i guess and uh um eric reed which is down there he, he's one of them he said he kind of got interested in some of the higher yield stuff with uh uh with the show and uh now he's you know he's done had some pretty good success so he's on the show now and uh so yeah i guess i guess some people are paying attention and uh and kind of following so what is the crop looking like this year so far uh pretty good uh maybe too good in spots uh because you know if everybody's got a really good crop i'm afraid the prices are gonna maybe be worse than they are now and they're not very good right now, you know? So, um, but in our area, they're good. We've been getting a fairly timely rain and, you know, uh, the, the spring was hard again. We were forced to plant, uh, oh, when conditions weren't as good as we wanted them to, our window just seems like lately our last several years, our planting window is, I mean, it's a matter of a few days, it seems like, mm-hmm. and then we're forced out again. So that's really been a struggle. So some corn stands a little more uneven than what you would like just because of planting conditions, I guess. Uh, but, I mean, everything looks really good right now. Uh, we've had adequate moisture. Pollination seems pretty good. So uh, pretty good, I would say. Beans also, they potted up pretty good. Uh yeah, and they, you know, it's coming into a critical time for them, too. So, And in addition to the Corn Warrior stuff you're doing, uh, you've also uh, gotten yourself involved with uh, another group that I've been hearing quite a bit about here lately, Extreme Ag. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, uh, yeah, we got involved with Extreme Ag also. Uh, Extreme Ag's a group of farmers that have kind of come together. They're all, I guess you call them high-yield farmers. You know, a lot of them are state winners or state record holders. And uh, kind of scattered across the the nation, really. And uh, we're kind of giving out our tips and tricks and stuff on a on a website. And uh, so we we're getting a fairly decent uh, social media following. We're putting out uh, just uh, some free stuff on there, where you just kind of we're showing what we're doing, you know, and kind of day to day operations. And then if you go to the website and want to learn more, there's more on there. But uh, the website's extremeag.farm. Uh, there's a lot of good information on there. I'd encourage everybody to check it out. Well, I tell you what, we're all going to be watching here. And, uh, Dan, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us here on Fast Line Fast Track. And we look forward to uh, what you got here for Season 4. Yeah, thanks for having us.
Well, next up on Fast Line Fast Track, we welcome in singer-songwriter Matt Kennan, an artist originally out of Atlanta who's now in the St. Louis area. He sings traditional country music the way it was meant to be sung. He has some big writing credits and continues to build a great career in the country music business. Matt, welcome into the show. Yeah, man, it's great to be here. Man, I tell you what, I sure appreciate uh, you coming in here. Uh, had a chance to uh, uh, bring Matt on as the... Uh, uh, MC of the VetLinks event down in Nashville a few weeks ago. We talked uh, with Ali Colleen, who was at uh, event as well. And uh, I had never heard you before, Matt. And I tell you what, dude, I was blown away by your music. Oh, thank you very much, man. That means a lot. Take me back here. We, we, we teased in the open. You were, you were uh, uh, out of Georgia. Uh, when did music enter your life? I don't know, man. It, it's always kind of been there from the time I was, you know, probably four years old. I was playing drums and you know, just up through probably 15 or 16, I was playing drums a lot. And then I started singing in school, you know, in the chorus or whatever. And people would always say, man, you got a cool voice. You know, nobody ever said pretty voice. They said, you got a cool voice, you know. So I took that and I don't know, I played drums for a few more years. And then I really started singing and it came out country, you know. Uh -huh. I'd always lived in the country with my family and stuff. And it just seemed like. I had the bug. I had to go to Nashville and try it out, you know, seeing if I could do something with it. Who were some of those that uh, were your early influences? Who do you remember listening to? Oh, man, Earl Thomas Conley, Keith Whitley, George Jones, Travis Tritt, Tim McGraw, Tracy Lawrence, back in the 90s, you know, as we all did, I think, back in high school. I still like to incorporate some of that into my music now, you know. Uh, who, who are some of the people you're listening to these days? I'm still listening to Tracy Lawrence. Tim McGraw, Travis Tripp, those guys. Uh, Leonard Skinner, uh, heard this new group, Georgia Thunderbolts. I think they're really uh, real Southern rock thing. And, um, you know, I think Southern rock's kind of making a return. What are you doing these days, man? I tell you what, like, like everybody, I know you're, you're pinned down like everybody else and can't get out and do much. Uh, one, one of the things that uh, is kind of disappointing to me was when I go to mattkennon.com and click on that news and, and events tab and see no tour date schedule. Man, that's a tough deal right now. Yeah, man. I'm actually working at a diesel uh, performance shop right now, and uh, I'm loving it. I'm not touring, but I'm going to work Monday through Friday and still doing my music, you know, at times like these and, you know, still uh, recording songs and writing songs. And when it's time to get back out there, that's what I'll do. How did you get into uh, into the diesel business? You know, I had a diesel truck and I met the guy that owned the place. He did some work on my truck. And I thought, man, you know, these guys got a really lucrative business. And it's close to my house. So I just asked him if they needed some help around the shop. And uh, I'm answering the phones and ordering parts, man. You're one up on a lot of other people out in the music business trying to figure out how they're going to uh, scrape by these days. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a real problem. And, uh, you know, music's always just been what I do and uh, how I make a living. And right now, since I'm not touring, I got to make a living. So so we talk about writing. It's been a big part. And one of the highlights of your career was having a song cut uh, about 12 years ago by Randy Travis on one of his albums. Yeah, it was a song I wrote. Not long after I came to town, I was working with Randy's producer, and uh, he was doing a record on me, and I said, man, me and my buddy are going to write a song for Randy Travis. And he's like, yeah, right, you and everybody else, you know? <laughs> and we wrote this song, and it was a true story. And uh, we took it to that pro my producer at the time, and he said, man, this is one of the best songs I've heard out of about 4,000. So wow. 
Randy, and then Randy ended up recording the song. What was it like the first time you heard him uh, belting out your lyrics? It was pretty cool. It was really cool when he called me on the phone and told me he was recording it. Yeah. What was that? How did that phone call go? Oh, man, it was cool, man. And and it was just a, it, it was a pivotal moment for me. That's when everything mm -hmm. becoming reality that I could really do this. Well, before we go any further, I got a song queued up here. Damn Small Town. Tell me about this one. You know, that song came to me from a really good friend of mine, Butch Baker, who from the time I moved to town, he was one of the first people I met. He just has a, a knack for knowing what kind of songs I'm going to record. And he's probably gotten probably 10 songs to me that I've recorded. So he damn small town and I think he knew I'd like it. And it just had a really cool vibe. And uh, I took it to Paul Worley, who I've been working with. And he's uh, he's been my producer. And we went in the studio and we cut that and Love is Stronger. Well, here it is, Damn Small Town on Fast Line Fast Track. I used to think two street lights were just enough when the two of us Used to run them both on our way out. You always knew when you heard me crank that Chevrolet. I was on my way. I drive around and all that I see now is a damn small town. Cause it's a damn small town. Forget about you, girl. 
small town and friends that right there is what we call real country music yeah that's cool so you talked earlier about your time in nashville tell me a bit about this because you've been doing this for close to 20 years now close to it yeah yeah i've done it 16 years for a living yeah so what was it like uh, nashville was a little bit different uh, when you first started knocking on doors down there oh yeah we had the longhorn where everybody hung out and you know everybody could network it was it was much more tight-knit community than it is now it's changed a lot, you know. 2010 was about the last of, you know, traditional country music, from what I heard, being released to the radio. That would get a little bit sprinkled in there, you know, from time to time, but not a whole lot, you know. You, you know, you talk about how Nashville has changed, uh, but but you made the most of the opportunity, man. You you shared the stage with, with folks like Kenny Chesney and Blake Shelton, Train, Darius Rucker. Lee Bryce and so many others. Plus, I, I mean, you guys have sold over uh, uh, 300,000 singles, if I got that right, and, and 40,000 albums, and that's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, man, I've been blessed. It's, it's just been one of them things that uh, just been out here kind of more on a focused, driven mission of uh, making music that really helps people, you know. Sometimes that may not fit the Nashville mold, you know, so we're just still doing what it is that, I'm kind of known for. Well, I tell you what, we talked earlier about uh, the time that we had uh, last October at VetLinks, and I know veterans' causes are something that's very important to you, but moreover, volunteerism is something that's important to you, and uh, I know you have, have done some stuff. You talked about being in Alabama, doing some stuff with Nick's kids, Nick Saban, the uh, coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. You've done stuff with his foundation, and uh, uh, you had a chance to uh, to speak to more than 150,000 school kids uh, with an anti-bullying message. Tell me a bit about that. Yeah, I mean, that's something that uh, I'm actually doing again, and I had about 46 of them to go do this year. Wow. I've been postponed until next year. Uh, mm -hmm. so I haven't heard back on what they're going to do. So I'm still doing that in uh, New Jersey and Alabama. How did that come about for you? I wrote the song, You Had to Pick on Me, which came from a comment that came from the YouTube video of the call. You know, somebody had asked me if I'd ever been bullied in school or whatever. I'm like, bullied school? I'm I'm in the music business. I get bullied now. I wrote this song about a real life scenario and uh, I played it for some folks and I just had the vision to take it straight to the schools. So I've been uh -huh. getting over a hundred schools over the years and perform for the kids there. And, they're a big part of what keeps it going. So what would you say has been your proudest accomplishment in the music business? And playing the opera was the biggest thing. You know, that mm -hmm. was kind of the moment I knew it was for real. That yeah, was what was it like? What was that like stepping on that stage and in that circle? Oh man, there's nothing like it. It was just, it was like, I was just out of, it was like out of body experience. Uh huh. How, how many songs did they give you that night? Oh, it did too. What else do you remember about it? Well, I met my wife. And the mother of my child that night. So, wow. Yeah. So that was an overall big night then. Yeah. Yeah. It was an overall big night. Now I'm out of Missouri. Still. <laughs> it's funny. Those, those life turns, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Twist and turns. Well, I tell you what, the new single, My Last Prayer. Tell us about that song. 
So yeah, this song came to me on the heels of Love is Stronger. A publisher told me, I got your next song. And I'm like, yeah, right, whatever. But send it on. Some told me to send have them send it to me via email. And then when I heard it, man, it just floored me. And here it is, my last prayer on Fast Line Fast Track. I've been a liar and a cheater. A smoker and a drinker And I've been everywhere And anywhere Just trying to find me somewhere And I've done a lot of things You know I'm not proud of I can never say I'm sorry enough so I'm down on my knees, one last place to turn. I must have been a shallow man to live and never learn. And I'm all out of choices, I can't make it on my own. I burned down every bridge, always right and never wrong. I know you're busy. But if there's time to spare For you to hear one more worn out soul up there I'm down to my last prayer And I took the long way In a bad way It cost me more than I could ever pay on the bottle and up on that throttle never cared a thing about tomorrow in all these years I knew I heard you calling and I'm thankful for the day I started falling now I
Love it. How much of that song is you? Man, 99%. Yeah. Yeah. So let's uh, get everybody to check it out on Spotify and uh, YouTube and all that. My Last Prayer. It's, uh, it's a song I believe in. Well, I tell you what, if folks want to follow that song and follow your career, learn more about you and uh, everything you got going on, where can they go to do that? MattKinnon.com. So go ahead and make sure you go check out mattkinnon.com and uh, and find out everything he's got going on because this guy is still cranking out incredible country music and and we want to get behind everything he's doing. And Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on the show. And uh, uh, we, we are just thankful you were able to take the time out of your, your schedule here to join us. Yes, sir. Well, we want to send a special shout out to our musical sponsor, the Ernest Tubb Record Shop, 417 Broadway in the heart of downtown Nashville, Tennessee. You know, the COVID's had them down for a bit, but they're open for business now. And I hope when you're in the Nashville area, you'll go and check them out. They've got a great selection of vinyl, CDs, and merchandise. And if they don't have it there for you, they'll find it. They're open Sunday through Thursday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Friday and Saturday from 10 to 10. So stop by and say hi and make sure you tell them that you heard it on Fast Line Fast Track. I also want to say a special shout out to our friends at Farm Life and thank them for their support of Fast Line Fast Track. We have some big things in the works and you're going to hear about them real soon, so stay tuned for that. So go ahead and give their page a like over on Facebook. Again, that's Farm Life, so you can connect with others interested in agriculture and join me over on their page every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern as I join Brandon Deal to talk about the things that are on the minds of farmers. And guess what? Harvest season is rapidly approaching for many farmers across the country. And if you're in the market for combines, heads, grain carts, grain dryers, trailers, or anything else, head on over to FastLine.com and check out the equipment locator with the price comparison tool featuring the Iron Average powered by Iron Solutions. That's FastLine.com. And while you're on the website, be sure to sign up for the print catalog for your state or region. There's no need to head into town to pick one up off the convenience store rack. The FastLine catalog is still being delivered directly to your mailbox, and it's still a favorite resource of farmers and ranchers across this great country. Remember to subscribe to the FastLine Fast Track podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, and add our Spotify playlist to your library for all the music from past, current, and upcoming guests of the show. And don't forget to follow us on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Well, it's time for us to get on out of here. We'll be back again next week, and I hope you'll join us. But until then, it's Brent Adams saying y'all come back and bring along a friend. You've been listening to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group. To learn more about Fast Line's customer-focused marketing solutions, visit FastLineMediaGroup.com and check out our brand websites, FastLine.com, BigAg.com, and PinkTractor.com. If you have topic suggestions for future podcasts, drop us a line at Brent.Adams at FastLine.com.